0: Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about equity, inclusion and diversity in financial services. On the podcast, we seek to shine a light on positive progress, call out areas requiring further focus and offer lots of ideas to help drive change. And before we get started today, I just want to take a moment to thank our friends at City AM. They've given Diversity Podcast a new home at Impact AM, their pages dedicated to ESG, Impact Investment, DEI, and so much more. We really appreciate that they publish and promote both our episodes and our supporting blog series so their readers can stay right on top of the very latest diversity, equity, and inclusion debate. So thank you to City AM. In this episode, we're going to focus on transitioning, inclusion in the workplace and gender creative parenting. And I'm joined by two guests. Our first guest is Liam Pashal, who is a transgender man committed to promoting understanding, inclusion, and allyship. He shares a wealth of experience and knowledge designed to educate and to inspire. He encourages individuals and organizations to become allies and advocates for LGBTQ rights and also inclusion. He's a much sought after speaker and commentator listed as a LinkedIn top voice. And he has spoken to many organizations, combining both his personal stories with research all to provide a comprehensive understanding of the issues faced by transgender people. So Liam, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I I get so excited whenever I'm asked to participate in a discussion around gender, gender identity, um, transitioning, especially in the workplace. I think it's something that we need so much more representation in. And when I'm asked to share my thoughts and my personal stories here, I feel like I'm helping to create a better, more inclusive world for those that will be here long after I am gone.
0: A very warm welcome. And our second guest today is Josephine Hughes. She is a BACP accredited counsellor and a business mentor, who in turn helps other counsellors to market their practices. Her career has centred around helping parents cope with change and supporting people in difficult circumstances, such as baby loss, infertility and domestic abuse. Since two of Josephine's children came out as transgender in 2015, Josephine has been learning firsthand what it is like to face an unexpected change in family circumstances. Her podcast, Gloriously Unready, talks about her experiences and when reviewed by The Guardian newspaper, they said she addresses the moments that many parents face with so much love and support she can't fail to help others. Josephine, a very warm welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing my views and and listening to Liam as well.
0: Well, I couldn't think of two better guests to have on the show. So welcome both. Uh, Now, listen, before we get into it, I'm so curious to know what you're focused on right now. Josephine, can I come to you first?
2: Yes, thank you. So what I'd say is as a parent, you want your children to be safe. It's such a basic, sort of human fundamental thing that we look for. It's about survival. So, what I'm actually focusing on is trying to make the world a safer place for transgender people, um, especially in the current political climate, because transgender people make up less than 1% of the UK population, but they are so much in the news at the moment. They're attra- attracting an unnecessary amount of media attention. Um, so, I'm focusing on supporting them through my work, trying to help parents, to help them um, accept their children. And also, I think very importantly, amplifying transgender voices. So I've included them in my podcast as well, because there's such a small minority and more people need to hear from them.
0: Couldn't agree more. And I think this is a really fascinating juxtaposition between as you say, a lot of media attention, but also voices that need to be represented and need to be heard as well. Liam, same question to you. What are you focused on right now?
1: You know, I think Josephine took a lot of uh, what I'm focusing on as well, but I wanna say that, you know, for me, when when I knew that I was a transgender person, um, it took me a very long time due to fear and, and various other things for me to actually come out and and be my true self. And, and my goal is really to, to promote understanding and empathy uh, through my talks, through advocacy and educational efforts, whether it be schools, events, churches, companies, um, and really share, be, be like an open book, um, my own personal stories, things that I have been through, the good and the bad, and try to dispel those myths and offer real life insights into what it is to be trans to help people see the humanity and the experiences of this community. Um, I think it's vital to to challenge biases, to break down stereotypes, and really foster a more open-minded and compassionate society. And we can't do that without the voices of trans people.
0: So what I'd love to do is to uh, give some time and some space, because you both have very different stories. Um, And I'd love to just give you some space to share part of your story if you would with the the audience and thinking about your journey your personal journeys and also um your role kind of in this conversation today Liam may I come to you first of all
1: I would say I knew when I was four the the interesting thing for me is that at that time I had never heard the word transgender there were no Transgender role models—the uh, closest thing you might see to anyone being transgender, which was basically a very a, a, an insulting way to to view it—was the Jerry Springer Show, right? Um, and so for me, I knew that I was different, not not abnormal, but different. I just didn't know what to call it. Um, if you can imagine, I'm sure all of you have at some point put together a puzzle, right? and there's these puzzle pieces that may not fit. Maybe they came out of a different puzzle, maybe you, you picked them up somewhere in the house and they just don't fit. They don't fit with the ones around them. That's that's kind of like what it feels like. It's like knowing deep down that you're not the same as others, and that's okay, but you can't really explain why. Um, and so for a very long time, when I finally felt comfortable enough to to come out, and I hate that terminology, I, I think it's all about inviting people in, um, I lived my life as a lesbian because I felt like it was the safest way for me to be as close as I could be to myself while still maintaining my safety. And so I didn't come out until much later in life. Uh, And I want to do my part as much as possible to make our youth feel more safe and secure, not isolated, and know that they have so many people behind them, beside them, and in front of them to them to help support them and and really feel comfortable living their true, living their authentic lives. So well, that's a little bit about my, uh, my story.
0: And thank you for sharing it. There's so many questions that kind of flow from that. The words that really stick out for me are this whole thing about safety. And that is where you began, Josephine, with your remarks at the top of the show about what you're focused on right now. Would you be happy to share your story as well?
2: Yes, of course. So I've got three children and two of them came to me completely separately in 2015. They didn't know about each other. It was a complete coincidence. They both came out to me as transgender women. Um, And I didn't at that point know a lot about anything to do with transgender issues. It wasn't in the news quite as much. Um, And I think the thing is, as a parent, you sort of try and protect your children. You believe that you're the adult, that you know the way forward. And of course, when they come out as transgender, you're actually a little bit wrong footed because you don't actually know anything about it. And usually it's like Liam says, he knew that he was transgender a long, long time before he told anyone. And certainly with my children, they have thought about it a lot. And then as a parent, what you're doing is you are in this state of utter shock. But also at that point, they really need you to um, to love them, to affirm them, to help them with their journey. Um, and for me, I was actually I look back at it now, and I think I was really lucky because I didn't go straight to the internet and start looking things up because, I, to be honest, I was a bit scared about what I was going to find out. So I thought all well, I'm going to do is I'm just going to give them what they need. And I just made um, my guiding light was what can I do to love them really and. You know, they, they worked it out in terms of their, their own transition. But what I'd say is that for um, us, it was a huge shock. Transgender people talk about their dead names. And my husband said at the time, he said, I feel it feels horribly appropriate, because at that point, in a very typical parental way, this is what a lot of parents say, they feel like their children have died. But of course, that is not the case at all. And what we've discovered over time is actually our children they are they are completely the same children completely the same you know apart from the fact that they are much happier and they are more themselves um so you know it, it's actually that that's what i'm there to support parents with on this journey and and to encourage them and one of my friends said if you could see it like they're they're a book and the cover changes the essential child doesn't change and that's what we've found to be true and it feels very scary as a parent you know you worry that they're going on a path where they'll have regrets and at eight years in you know they're both very happy you know you worry about them getting jobs about getting partners all those sorts of things about being bullied and yes life can be challenging for them but also they are so much um, happier being themselves. And I think that's a really important thing
1: for parents to know. Can I add something here too? Um, because for me, um, you know, when I did decide to come out, my uh, my parents have basically disowned me. I mean, unfortunately that is the case, but um, it, I want to go back to something Josephine said with, you know, we're still the same people, right? If you look at individuals as a gift in your life, right? trans people we are still that same gift on the inside some of the things may change on the outside as far as like your gift wrapping if you think about a present Mm but we are still those same human beings that we were previously we're now just happier more authentic and able to live our lives without the worries of suppressing that that you know part of us that we really don't want to have to suppress it Mm -hmm. yeah
0: well thank you both for for your thoughts on that. And later on in the show we're going to talk about some advice to give parents as you say in that 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 critical moment and 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 as many listeners will know that as a gay woman as a lesbian myself I mean I I had I haven't really talked about it on the show but I had my journey of coming out and there and I just want to support Josephine your remark about it's at the moment when children come to parents that they have done so much thinking that actually they need to be seen, they need to be held, they need to be loved and supported, and it's such a critical moment. We're going to come to that in a second, but before we do that, I'm really curious to pick up on this point about workplace and workplace practices. And you were talking there, Josephine, about your, your thoughts about you know will, will they get jobs and i understand one of your daughters uh works in technology i, I believe yeah. um yeah. so I, i'd love to get your thoughts on what can workplaces do what are great best practices to support yeah. individuals
2: it's, it's such a great question and like you say my, my daughter is a technologist and she has very good skills and that means that she is really in demand and so I think in terms of employers, they need to get their credentials out there right from the start. So, you know, recently during the pandemic, she looked for a job. She she can get job offers in three or four job offers within a couple of weeks. She was interviewed by several people. She chose the company where the interviewee interviewed her, and he had a pride flag behind him. And so she felt, yes, I can fit in. And something that she'll look for is she doesn't want to be the only lgbtq person within a company Um, so that inclusivity and diversity is really important to her now she's actually employed so she's going through the process of um, her voice therapy and so she got to the point where she had been speaking with him with a male voice and now she's ready to use her female voice at work so she talked to her manager about it and the manager supported her and said what would you like to do about this you know do you want to make an announcement do you want me to make an announcement how do you want it to do and and you know listen to her opinion and then um you know made it easy for her and and and, and paved the way for that for that to happen and then the other thing i just wanted to add is that you know she's a technologist and like many technologists she's actually um she's got more than just being transgender she's also got neurodiversity So I think that's another aspect that employers need to consider when they are employing people from LGBTQ backgrounds that they often do come with sort of intersectional things that we need to think about, um, communication and sensory overload. And I think it's important to obviously accommodate those as well to make your life easier for transgender people.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for your thoughts there. And uh, we're on a podcast, so the, the audience can't uh, see what I see, which is Liam, you are nodding with a lot of that. love to get your thoughts, what, you know, what best practice? Also, where else must we focus?
1: Well, first of all, we have to get away from the, the notion that inclusion, whether it be trans inclusion or any other type of inclusion, is, is a checklist, a checkbox activity, right? I think we, we have learned this more and more since the start of the pandemic, right? But it's it's an ongoing commitment to really foster a workplace where everybody can thrive, regardless of their background, their gender, their race, ethnicity, and so on. And companies have got to really demonstrate, and the key word there is demonstrate, their dedication to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I I say that because there are so many companies that do a, a really good job within the walls, even virtual walls of their organization, right, of, of being inclusive, of promoting, you know, inclusivity and equity and, and diversity. But when it comes to speaking up and standing up against all of the anti-trans legislation that we're seeing, particularly across the U.S. right now, most companies are remaining silent. So while things are important within the company, like education and awareness, right? We want employees to, 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 to have empathy and understanding and really reduce those misconceptions and biases. And we do that by you know, workshops and webinars and reading materials, training, and those need to be done by trans individuals, people from the community, right? You can't bring an cisgender person to do this type of training. You just can't. Um, gender-inclusive policies, I was fortunate in uh, working for the company I was with at the time that when I came out, everything was done basically on my timeline. And I was asked, how do you want to do this? What is going to make you feel the safest, the most comfortable? How can we help you to do this? And I was managing a team at the time. And I'll never forget when it all happened that the day it sort of went down and everything changed in the system. My manager called me. I was in the car on the way home. And he said to me, hey, I heard you were changing your name and uh, You know, your your pronouns are going to be he and him now. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm going to start my uh, testosterone pretty soon. He said, you know what? I'm your manager. I'm I'm your leader. And I'll I'll always be that. But I want you to know you've also got a brother in me now. And anytime you want to talk, you pick up the phone, call me, whether it's on the weekend, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, And that's that that safe and supportive environment that you can't teach, right? (laughs) You've got to have the people that are working for their companies that are Empathetic, that care, that want to learn what they can do better to be better individuals, to be better leaders at the company. And, uh, and I'll wrap it up with this. You know, you, you've got to start asking yourself some questions. Do transgender people have a seat at the table? If they don't, why do they not have a seat at the table? What do you need to do to rectify that? Right? Is is, is your company a place where not only can you say, hey, we're on the list of Uh, inclusive companies from HRC, but do your employees feel safe being their authentic selves? Are they being harassed and you don't know it? Have you reviewed any any survey results that you've done to find out if there's relevant data to support your findings, right? And how can we really signal to every single employee, you are safe here, whether you're working from home, whether you're working at a coffee shop, whether you're working in the office, you are safe with us and we are here to support you. And last but not least, just, just making sure that employees know it's not okay to just be a bystander. You've got to be an upstander, a co-conspirator to the trans community. And you've got to be willing to step up and speak up, even when it's most uncomfortable.
0: And just building on your remarks there, you know, particularly when we watch the, and again, it comes back to a comment that Josephine opened with, which is when we watch the news agenda and the, the attitude shift. It is so important for those organizations to, to take, a, take a voice. And to stand and that allyship and advocacy that that I mentioned in your the introduction of you Liam about how you how you help organisations to do that really really important. Thank you for both your thoughts on that. And I'd love to then return, if I may, to the the question about advice for parents. We get asked this a lot, and and thinking about it from a practical and a personal point of view. I mean, Josephine, I I absolutely must start with you if you would. I mean, how how do you help parents prepare for what their children may well face?
2: In terms of parents, you need to look inside as well and look at your, your own fears and, and work out what's going on for you. And a lot of it is about allowing yourself to recognise that um, what you'd imagined the future to be, what you thought you had, is, it needs to change. And I would say for parents, that's, that's a journey that, that you take yourself, um, that they've always been transgender, it's just you didn't know. And you know, I had all these fantasies about what my children's lives were going to be like. And I grieved for those fantasies, I wasn't actually grieving for my children. So that's that's what I'd like to say to parents. But in terms of you know, preparing children for like the workplace, for example, I, I think there's there's a couple of things. I mean, you know, the obvious thing is is that you want to encourage them to get good skills. But like Liam was saying earlier, there's this, this huge stress of dysphoria if you know you're not being recognized if you're not being supported and that's a huge huge distraction especially for young people and and suicide rates amongst young transgender people is very high and I think you know at a societal level we need to recognize that and we need to make access to gender affirming care more easier and I think as parents you know to affirm our children to at the very very least to use the correct pronouns and and their new name, if that's what they ask of us, Um, because that will take a lot of the pressure off them, Um, and that means that they can then concentrate on their education, on their schoolwork or their university work, so they can get good skills and get themselves employed. It's taking away that stress of being in a minority, and I think as parents, certainly that's my passion, to, to help make it easier for young people to be able to express themselves as transgender without it being a problem and you know obviously employers can can help with their policies that helps a lot
0: what advice would you give parents about how to look after themselves Because arguably they're taking on that stress in an effort to alleviate and and support and help their children feel safe. What advice would you give parents?
2: I think parents need to be really careful about where they go for information and advice. I've got a little handout that I give and I had someone who came to me recently and said, oh, it's so refreshing to read this because most of what I've found on the Internet has been really transphobic, anti-transgender, that is the majority of of a lot of what is written. Most of of the um, media don't express pro-transgender views. And that's very scary. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. So, you know, I would say to parents, you need to choose really carefully. And certainly in the UK, there is an agenda to undermine some of the LGBTQ organisations that can support people like mermaids, for example, or Stonewall, they're spoken about very badly in in the media. But in fact, you know, they are staffed by people who are part of the community or or who are parents. And that's actually the the, the most helpful place that people can go. And to, so I'd say be, be really careful, but also know if you need extra support to acknowledge that this is a really hard thing that you're going through Um, and, and if necessary to seek out a gender affirming um therapist you can usually recognize them because they will use their pronouns after their names for example and you're not going to get them questioning or bringing up um arguments that actually in no way reflects the research. There's a there's a huge body of research into transgender medical care, and it goes against so much of what we read. Um, it isn't talked about, it isn't acknowledged. But you know, transgender people have been being looked after for generations. There is a good body of research out there, but this often isn't recognised and it's not talked about or it's denied, and um. Other sort of small pieces of research are thrown up. I I wouldn't go on Twitter, for example. I wouldn't, I've left Twitter. It's just not a place to be if you've got transgender kids.
0: Liam, I'm getting a very, very strong signal that you're agreeing with that. I wonder if I could take you back to the original question, which is, you know, what advice do you give parents? Uh, Obviously, you kindly shared some thoughts about your personal. Uh, expectations that perhaps if I could be so bold as to say weren't met Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts and also what advice do you give parents
1: so uh, you know one thing I would say is you've got to listen without judgment and that is hard oftentimes for human beings to do in general but if you're not creating that safe space where they can openly express themselves you're doing a disservice to your child um, certainly, you know, shutting off communication and just ignoring the conversations, thinking it's a fad or a phase, that is not the answer. Um, you, and, and like Josephine said, don't try to educate yourself with, with Twitter or X or God forbid, whatever it's called now, or any type of media. Um, there are obviously some good organizations that have websites that, that people can access, but, you know, learn about the trans identities, the experiences, the challenges to understand better and and really support your child. One of the things that I hear quite often, which makes me feel very good about what I do, is I'll have people that will send me just an out of the blue message and say, hey, because of what you posted on here about this experience that you've had, I've been able to better understand my child. I talk to, to trans people and really try to get a feeling for what it is like, what their experience is like. Respect. Your child's identity. You know, if, if this month they want their pronouns to be he and they and six months down the road they wanted to change it to, you know, they and them, okay, that, that's not harming anyone, right? Just go along with what they want, support them, validate their feelings, validate their experiences, and one of the things that I wish my parents had just been able to wrap their head around was stop worrying about what everyone else is going to think. Stop worrying about the fact that you feel like you have failed as a parent. It is nothing you have done up until this point. It's what, it's what you do now that is going to make a difference, right? Keep religion out of it. Religion has nothing to do with it. And I know that there will be people who say, Liam, that's not true. It says right here in my good book, but this is not okay. No, that's that's your perception. And we have Multiple religions around the world, right? Um, connect with local LGBTQ plus groups and organizations, and really try to get more support than just you and your, you know, your spouse and your other kids. Um, at the end of the day, respect the privacy. That's a big one, right? If you are, if if you're wanting to share this information, my child came out as trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming, whatever. Do that with their consent. Maybe get them involved in that conversation. Um, And and let them know that if they're going through any type of bullying, whether it be at school, on sports teams, whether it's an adult or another child, that you're going to be there and you're going to help them resolve that. You're You're going to call it out. You're going to stand up for them. And you are going to be there with that last thing I'm going to say here, which is that unconditional love. You've got to show them that no matter what, you love them unconditionally, that you are always going to be there to support them and that you know they're the same person they've always been. They've just been maybe a little bit different on the outside now. That's going to have a profound impact on their well-being and how they grow up and and, um, handle the world, the workplace and their relationships overall.
0: Thank you both for all your thoughts there. And let me just pause for a moment to bring in Cynthia Akinsanya for
3: some research to support today's discussion. This year, in the UK, the Chartered Institute of Personnel Development, CIPD, published new guidance on transgender and non-binary inclusion at work as part of its suite of guides and ongoing commitment to support people, professionals and employers in improving equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace. CIPD research published in February 2021 found that 55% of transgender workers surveyed had experienced conflicts at work over a 12-month period 18% also stated they felt psychologically unsafe at work. While in the United States, the 2023 Forbes article, Workplace Strategies for Transgender Inclusion cited that the 2022 Corporate Equality Index found that 97% of businesses in the study have protections for non-binary and transgender workers, up from just 5% in 2002 and there are now 22 times as many employers who offer transgender inclusive health insurance compared to 2009.
0: So thank you, Cynthia, as always. And let's take a few moments to remind everybody about how to find Diversity Podcast. Links to the research can be found on our website, DiversCityPodcast.com. Don't forget that's diversity with a C, not with an S. DiversityPodcast.com, where you can find all our episodes and sign up for early notifications of future recordings. Do also sign up for our newsletter. D-E-N-I, that's caught our eye. That's where we share news stories and updates so you can stay on top of what's current. And of course, you can follow us on the social media channels, I hate to say it, we've decided today that Twitter X is not a great channel. However, you can find us and our episodes on there. Also, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and Diversity Podcast is available on all good podcast channels. And By the way, we're immensely proud of our five-star rating. If you would care to give us a rating, we'd really appreciate it because it all helps to extend the reach even further. So, um, Liam and Josephine, I would love to see us out on the show in the same fashion that we do with all our guests. And, you know, I have, I'm, have some deep-seated concerns that while corporate priorities may well shift, given these interesting times in which we exist, why it is so important that uh, diversity, equity, inclusion must remain high on the corporate agenda. And Josephine, can I come to you first?
2: I would say that companies that have good inclusion policies are going to recruit the best people. And... People's identity isn't as important, really, in a sense. You know, productive employees, if they're supported in who they are, they'll be happier, they'll be more productive, they'll be more creative. You can recruit good people. They're very intelligent. (laughs) So, you know, I would say it's absolutely vital because it allows people to be themselves happy workers are productive workers
0: ultimately it all comes down to compelling reasons why in terms of performance during these interesting times see your talent and also uh support your talents because then happy people are productive people thank you very much josephine really appreciate that uh, liam coming to you for final words see us after the show with your compelling reasons absolutely why this must remain high on the board agenda <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's not just a social responsibility. It's a business imperative, in my, my opinion. And I, I've had several conversations on the topic of why it's actually part of corporate social responsibility. And I have people that disagree with me on that. But I, you know, when, when you think about corporate social responsibility, it's people, planet, and profit. Companies do a really good job of focusing on the planet and the profit. We've got to learn that the people are what makes a company who they are and what they are, right? And so I think it's it's creating a more inclusive workplace where every employee every human being feels valued they feel heard they feel seen they feel safe that's going to boost morale overall it's going to boost employee engagement and overall job satisfaction this is going to be a win-win-win because we're going to have higher retention rates increased productivity like josephine said and when an employee sees that an organization is committed truly committed to fairness and equal opportunity they're more likely to invest their time and their skills into that company's success. The one other thing I would say here is there are a lot of company leaders who do a really fantastic job of saying all the right words, getting on all the right lists, making sure that they're seen as an inclusive company. But if you are not walking the talk, people know that we can see right through it. And while it is very difficult right now, considering our political climate, for a lot of us to get jobs, a lot of us are unemployed or underemployed, we have gotten to the point where we are being very picky about who we're going to to give our time and energy to. I want company leaders to understand that you've got to get out there and walk the talk and show us that we matter because words are no longer enough.
0: Liam Pascal, thank you so much for being on the show. I've really appreciated all your insights, and I'm sure the audience have too. Thank you. Thank you. And Josephine Hughes, thank you for sharing your story and being with us today. Thank you. And as always, thank you to all our listeners. We really appreciate all your support. Please do rate us if you feel that you would like to, but also we'd love to hear from you about who else you would like us to interview on the show. It's been a fantastic episode. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I've been Julia Streets and thank you, as always, for listening. Until next
3: time, goodbye. This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by Roshan Roberts on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. You can find out more about the guests from this week's show on our website. That's www.diversitypodcast.com. That's diversity with a C and not an S. Whilst you were there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. All our episodes are available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app. If you enjoy Diversity Podcast, remember to share on social media and give us a rating or review. And finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening.